Hello, everyone, and welcome to another What's the Plan? What's the Plan? Monterey.com. Well, I'm here joined by Mr. Dan Miller. Mark Carbonero was supposed to join us, but he is missing an action somewhere. He's probably on the, the Big Sur coastline at that slide, shoveling out some sand or something. But whatever he's doing, hopefully he'll join us halfway through uh, the program. How are you doing, Dan? Oh, I'm doing peachy. Yeah. Everything's good. It's been a, it's been a busy, busy week. They uh, announced some information about the attempted murderers from Lover's Point. They did. Uh, there's a there's a cover story about uh, the uh, slide and how long it's going to take on um, on the Big Sur coastline. And there's lots of other news. I, I don't know. You have anything you want to talk about this week? Uh, you know, something will always come up as we we talk along. I you know, to me, um, the stuff that's happened nationally and internationally kind of makes our little part of the world pale in comparison. You just, you know, I just look around us and realize you got to realize how lucky we are to live here, even in the state, you know, the stuff that touches other cities and especially large ones in the state of California. But uh, uh, some of the, the open border thing is just um, going to kill all of us. Um, the bill, I mean, literally they're saying it's already cost California billions of dollars and, we haven't even started in the educating and and uh, permanent housing and all the other stuff. And if we had problems with homelessness before, when you get 10,000 people a day now, they say 10,000 people a day are coming across the border. And um, a lot of whom don't speak English, a lot of whom don't have skills. And, um, you know, we're out, out of this uh, sense of humanity uh, supporting them. And um, in a lot of ways, that's a good thing, you know, but in other ways, it's a bad thing that it's taken away from everybody else, putting us deeper in debt. And, and it's going to trickle down, you know, it's, you know, when the a city like Pacific Grove, Monterey, Carmel, wherever, goes to the state and says, hey, we need help with this, that or the other thing. Uh, for instance, Pajaro, when they flooded, they're going to say, nope, we don't got it. You know, we're, we're spending, you know, we're spending so much on homelessness. There is one I want to talk about. See, things always come, you know, when you discuss something, something else comes up. Mm -hmm. There's, did you read the story? I believe it was in that paper, Who Shall Not Be Named. That, yeah. And it's also happening in L.A. too, though. These billions of dollars that were given to buy apartment houses and hotels to mm -hmm. turn into transitory places for the homeless and former drug addicts and stuff. And they tried to do it in Pacific Grove and yeah, people looked into it and said, Hey, not a good idea. And the people that owned the place they wanted to do it said, Hey, we're not doing that after yeah. a former employee left here. It has now left here and gone to Monterey. Cause of course everybody gets fired up and that's the planning uh, department, right? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she was the chief planner, but she was the housing person when she tried to get the city to go in on putting in an application to uh, uh, buy a, for with a nonprofit to buy a hotel. We would have been respond the end responsibility on it. But you know what's interesting about that that story is that Mayor Bill Peak was on what's the plan Monterey the and he announced that they were going to buy that hotel that uh, on this program i don't know if, if he had said it before but he said it on this program what i believe is the first time 
and then it turned out that the owner of the hotel had no idea of it and the whole deal yeah, fell through. Well, I was still I was doing the PG press at the time and I talked to her and she said, We have no commitment, we have nothing signed. It's just like we gotta get this in by such and such a date. So we're gonna pick a place that in the past has been for sale, and we're gonna say this is the place we're gonna turn it, you know, turn into this, you know, these living abodes. And as as I pointed out to the council, not only are you losing because it's a nonprofit, right? You're losing sales tax. You're losing tot tax, which 10 cents on every dollar that would come in there as a hotels out the window. And then we were obligated to about 200 grand a year in mm. helping them get along. So now they they had these two or three other projects in the county, which and uh, I believe it's Anastasia Wyatt that uh, left the city after she had come from the county and come from the city of Salinas. She left here and now is working in Monterey as their housing person. She's the person that brought these people in and tried to get them to come in Pacific Grove. And now they're going belly up. There's tens of millions of dollars unaccounted for. They're in debt to contractors and wait, stuff. Wait a minute. Wait, where is this? Where are they at? At King City. Well, here it's in King City and Salinas were the oh. projects. And so you have these. Is this, is this the Goodnight Inn where they bought the yes. Goodnight Inn? Yes, indeed. And, and those, so, and in, and those in guys LA, are upside down for $10 million. No kidding. Yeah. And in LA, it's a hundred and. Something like 140 million. Where, where the did the money? Was it an admin evicted. cost, or is it just trying to upkeep the hotel, or what is it? Uh, it they're looking into it. The state's looking into it. That is, but these that's people fascinating because we uh, thank God because we almost uh, my staffing company almost staffed them, and we probably never would have gotten paid. Sounds like no, but uh, there's people but the, millions. But to to bring home your like to kind of temper what some may call xenophobic, but I don't think so because I think. When you when you're talking about immigration, I don't think anybody's against it. It's just you want it to be at a level where they can basically assimilate, and the culture is not greatly changed. Because otherwise, you're either going to ups you're going to upset the the current residents of any culture if if there's not a, a mass assimilation. You see it in Europe with the Parisians and the people from Paris, I should say, uh, and uh, people from North Africa and the Middle East there, they have trouble assimilating and it creates a lot of problems. You're seeing it in like Ireland as well. Uh, if you've seen oh, Conor Great McGregor. Britain, they have their little enclaves, I guess, where basically yeah. they're the law, you know, yeah, and it's, it's, like... it's really crazy. And you know, what's funny about this, Mark, uh, Mark, uh, sorry, Dan, Dan. is uh, <laughs> I'll get, it's either Dan or Mark. I got a 50% chance and I got it wrong. So I'm sorry, Dan, but, uh, I've read, uh, in Humboldt County, for example, very, so we're, we, we like to talk about, um, people from central, you know, America coming up here, but in Humboldt County, I understand that Asian gangs have basically taken over a large swaths of the marijuana operations in that County and are, are pretty draconian in their, uh, the way they mete out justice. <laughs> so, right. so there's, there's all sorts of this, if people aren't assuming, and you know, you could, you could go back to the thirties and forties and talk about Italian immigrants and gangsters and stuff in the Northeast. But um, it is when you get too many people, it does create a lot of problems. And your original point was like, we are pretty lucky to live here. And I think overall we do have a lot of peaceful immigration, even though I would, I would agree with you. I think we probably need to slow it down a little bit rather than, 
3% of our population being from, you know, that don't speak English every year coming into the country from particularly poor Central American countries it might not be sustainable. But well, um, it's, it's going to kill our schools. It's going mean, to kill well in our, in our social programs and stuff. 15 different languages. Yeah, at least. It's, it's very difficult. You know, and, and it's it, a lot of change in a lot of in a quick period of time, because something like it was like 80 percent of uh, Monterey County's K through 12 are not first generation American or they're not they're they're like first generation immigrants but to your other point about globally how lucky we are to be here is like I was reading about northern Israel and everybody's focused on Gaza and um, Hamas but apparently they've had to evacuate something like 30 or 40,000 people from their homes for several months now in northern Israel for fear that Hezbollah to the north is going to like fire start firing rockets on them as part of this this recent aggression and it's like and then i you know today is friday we record a day early and i was going by the park in monterey and everybody's like free gaza stop the war and all this stuff and i'm like could you imagine if you lived in san diego i don't know or bellingham washington and you had to leave your house because for fear of getting rocket attacks from either canada or mexico i think I think America would react quite differently than what our expectations are for the Israelis. So I, I just well, here, kind of like how, how innocent are we in, in this bubble where we just think everybody is a good actor. Let me tell you, as a guy who's been to Afghanistan, I'm going to tell you right now, Dan, there are people in the world that would kill you like any of us, anybody listening to this program yep. anywhere. If they saw that you were an American, there are a lot of people in the world that would just kill you for your money or they would hold you for ransom. No yeah. problem whatsoever in a large swaths of the world. And I think we need to wake up to reality to that danger. There are a lot of bad people. I don't know if they're, they're necessarily inherently bad, but they they're so poor or they're so misguided mm-hmm. that they would literally put you in a basement and extract money from your family, or they would just kill you. And well, that is any of us, anybody listening to this. And if you think you're special, you're not. I just that's why when you look at these videos in new york where it's freezing cold and these people are out there without shoes and stuff where does it get to the tipping point where you have 300 guys most of them are guys now you have 300 guys just say let's go raid that bodega let's go you know through target how do you stop that you know it's outside of starting to shoot them yeah exactly and it's and I, I, again, politically, well, I'm not sure, like, well, I don't, you know, truthfully, though, is I don't know, like the, the mayhem that's happened in San Francisco, as far as like the, the theft and stuff. I think a lot of that is actually not first generation immigrants. I think it's like drug addled freaks, but yeah, that have been here for several generations. Right. But that's the scary thing is when is it going to become the people that have come here? How do you sit there and you're well, starving and you're cold and there's 300 other people that are? Where well, do you get to the point where you say, we can't do this anymore? We, we've, we're we going to go raid a store. We're going to well, go Well, I, I think that, quite frankly, and I think that that could be a, a concern, but I think the more pernicious aspect of this illegal immigration is in uh human trafficking because oh yeah that's just doesn't get reported young nope. women come over here they get you know basically sex slaves and and they're not they're there a lot of times they're like 10 to 15 years old i mean it's not yep. and there, there's a lot this... of kids disappearing too they say there's like eighty thousand kids that are unaccounted for they just 
fell through the cracks once they got here. It's an and insane humanitarian. It is such a humanitarian disaster. And I, but I don't know who, concept, I mean, you could, though, Paul, yeah. where they're, they're, the Democrats want to give a bunch of money to the border problems, but their answer is what they want the money for is processing and to mm -hmm. have more people processing people where the Republicans are saying, no, we have to set limits as to who's coming in, where they're coming from, and who gets to stay, what criteria we're using. So there's two different, every time they say, oh, you know, no, we Democrats have wanted to give more money. Yeah, to hurry up the processing. Well, you got 10,000 people a day. Where do those 10,000 people end up? And I'll well, tell you, where it, the other day, I and please, this is not xenophobic. It's just one of those things, out of place, strange things happening in the world. I went into a grocery store in Pacific Grove, a grocery store I've gone into weekly for the past 50 years and or close to it. And for the first time ever, ever in those years, I walk in the door and standing there looking around as if they're lost is a woman from head to toe, burka, black, the whole nine yards with a colorful backpack on her back. So you don't think that I stood there for a second and went, okay, looking around near the DLI, <laughs> looking confused, yeah. you know, dressed like that, backpack that's kind of out of place and, you know, not a neutral color kind of thing. I literally just went, what are you going to do? If it's your time, it's your time. And I you know, kept walking and went about my business and obviously survived. But, you know, <laughs> that's the sad thing now for me is not afraid of them, but cautious, just like, you know, a lot of other people I'm cautious about what I see that are, you know, if you're a white derelict, I can be cautious about it too. Well, but it's sad that that's what's happening because like you say, there's people that don't care when you get the concept that, you reach this nirvana if you, you know, take out a bunch of people while taking out yourself. Who's stopping that? You know, yeah, and well, I think what do you say to what's, that? What's woman? interesting? I backpack. I, yeah. What's interesting is I think the Democrats, um, and and I'll characterize the Democrats and Republicans here is like the Democrats. The way I think they look at it is they think they impugn like what the way you and I think. Dan to everybody in the world, and they assume that everybody has those same motives. So they're they're like, of course, we should let as many people across the border as possible because it's a humane thing to do. And when they get here, they're going to behave with the same incentives and the same motives that you or I would, and they're going to yeah. act just like we are, you and I would, because all good people act the same. Yeah. And and I think they're woefully misguided to think that anybody like they're going to like if they're from the Middle East, they're going to get away from Sharia law. If they're from, you know, Middle East, Middle uh, Central American cultures, that they're going to get away from their their culture because American culture is quite different than both of those. And then I think the Republicans, what they're looking to do is just stop it because they figure, well, if we can stop the flow of people, then that that basically it eliminates the situation where human trafficking happens, where drug, you know, smuggling happens, where all these things. So they're forced to stay in the in their houses in you know central america or wherever 
and and the and the Democrats' response to that is, well, that's inhumane because wherever they're from, Guatemala or whatever, it's they're living in substandard, like these inhumane poverty conditions. So of course we want to let them into our country. And so I can kind of see where the heart of the Democrats are because they they really care about they believe that they're doing the right thing for the people. But I also understand the logic of the the Republicans, which is like you're not helping anybody. Actually, in fact, you're creating a horrible amount of human misery by allowing people from all these disparate cultures like come in where you're dirt poor one day and then you're all of a sudden in Beverly Hills the next day. That's not good for anybody. And I and I can kind of understand both both sides of that equation. Um, yeah, I don't know, um, though, what what to do about it. But I do know that a cardboard uh, um, facility, a cardboard um, manufacturing facility in Salinas burned down. <laughs> did, you, did you read oh, about did that? It, it was no, actually uh, just a storage facility. It was a cardboard storage facility. Burn, a lot of stuff burns down in Salinas because the Taylor Farms thing burned down. And now this cardboard facility is burning well, down. Know, it's like, there's one of these conspiracies things that goes around and I get people every once in a while say something, but uh, that uh, all these buildings being burned down across the country. And a lot of them are food like Taylor farms. And that's, and, and well, the Salinas Valley wax paper company burned down. I, I know the owners of that place, but uh, it's, it's interesting. All these facilities, like these are large commercial facilities. And I wonder why they don't have modern fire protection uh protection but this one was a george pacific packaging uh plant on, you know uh, that's servant avenue yeah. that's a good question because you get over well i guess if they haven't improved their building in the past 50 years but i you know i built a nightclub in salinas that was a, previously a furniture store uh in the mid 80s and we were required we spent a fortune putting in fire sprinklers and fire exits and and running, you know, large pipes to the facility to uh, to power those the fire sprinklers and stuff. So you're talking almost 40 years ago, where there were all sorts of rules about having to uh, um, for fire uh, suppression, and and it wasn't just because it was a nightclub; it was because you were doing new construction and the fire department doesn't want fires. So yeah. how people get away with it, I'm not quite sure. And if I owned a building, I sure as heck would have fire suppressant in it because uh, uh, a whole lot can go wrong and cost you a lot of money. City of Pacific Grove had uh, all, almost all their records going back for decades. Oh, that was when the guy and, in the uh, pickup truck uh, ran yeah, into the building. <laughs> this guy in a pickup truck runs into the uh, a tank of propane next to oh, the geez. building. He fell asleep or whatever, hits the propane, goes off, building goes up, along with almost every plan for every apartment house, commercial oh building. I mean, just incredible stuff that is gone forever because the city never transferred this stuff back to City Hall like they were supposed to after City Hall was renovated uh, about 20 years ago. So that is, That's um, fascinating. Yeah, that's too bad because you you would hope that that stuff would have been digitized at some point because now like historians and stuff won't, won't have access to that information. Well, and then the humorous thing was, and I don't know what the final thing was, but uh, when they were redoing it, somebody said, are you, so you could have fire suppression in there and the public works director slash uh, assistant uh, city, no uh, deputy city manager uh, said, uh, I don't know. Really? <laughs> <laughs> you just had your building burned down. 
and well, you're building a new building. It was supposed to be insured. What is that? Because we don't have the money in the budget. Well, the, you know, the, 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 the answer to that question is always this. As a guy who with a facilities background, as you say, the, I can assure right. you that the building will be compliant with all the pertinent state and federal codes. And it, to my knowledge, that would include a fire suppression system. But trust, rest assured that we will fully comply with the law. <laughs> that would be the answer that you give yeah. rather than, and, and, and that would be like a little bit, a little bit squirmy or a little bit weaselly, but at least you're saying, Hey, there's going to be some kind of fire protection or well, suppression system. Which leads me in another, one of my pet things now that I've actually talked before the council about where we're, you know, we reduce roads in Pacific Grove, but we only do slurry seal instead of replacing roads so it lasts you know about two years and it starts cracking <laughs> that's right yeah and i mean it's insane and they keep doing this is just throwing money to hold but there's a law you know it's been around for decades now that you redo your roads you have to put in curb cuts right oh geez i'm yeah. putting curb cuts so the deputy city manager slash public works director instead of when i said hey where are the curb cuts Instead of saying, yeah, you know, we should be putting those in everywhere because it is a federal law, said, oh, no, we don't have to put those in because we're only slurry sealing. We aren't actually resurfacing the road. <laughs> so all you people in wheelchairs and with kids in, in strollers, which I was, and trust me, this is one of the most un- you, I gotta you say, know, you, Dan. Dan, truthfully, where you live in uh, in Pacific Grove cracks me up because I lived on uh, Gibson, close to Erdley, for uh, about three years, and I used to run down towards the Silomar, and it would go right past your house on uh, right. on Gibson and all this. And I used to laugh at like the inconsistency of of both sidewalks, curb cuts. Yeah. street lights you could name it like there was no infrastructure that was there no. was any uniformity like there might be a block with no street lights uh missing parts of the sidewalk and no curb cuts and then you'd <laughs> hit the next block and it was like built totally to code and then the next blocks wouldn't be and i complained to one of our city managers about that and he goes you know what that's called that's called character so i was like all right yeah. that's one name for it that was no sure. that's called not doing your job so <laughs> so all you people that want curb cuts so you can actually navigate the city of pacific grove no they find it more important well, to do a study and spend 15 million dollars on a possible uh, roundabout you, you know, know where i complained like about it actually the one part because there are lots of parts of the city where not having a sidewalk is irritating, but not not that big of a deal. But where I was complaining, and you would probably know this, is by Forest Hill, uh, the the uh, assisted living facility there by the middle school. That right. the curb cuts are, and the consistency of curb cuts and crosswalks and stuff are, are like particularly egregious in that area. And I'm like, if you're going to have it somewhere, you'd want it to have it for Grandma yeah. with her walker. You know, so and, she can because like, all she has to do in the world is to circumnavigate that freaking right. building, and it's like and we want a, her to be able to like, yeah. But uh, but still, you know, again, public official, you no, know, this is what I can get away with, and damn all you people who want curb cuts, you know, it's yeah, like, I, don't come up with excuses. I do feel bad because they're and and fact, you should be doing. There's another um, right down Gibson across from. Uh, forest there there's another assisted living or elderly community there and there aren't that many curb cuts there's lots lots of missing curb cuts over there too and it's like i think if you're going to have them anywhere you'd want to really have them yep 
where where the where the the maximum number of people walking around in walkers are because like that's all that I have a, as my father-in-law just passed away and and God God love him all he had to do all day was walk around the freaking duck pond and it's like yeah. so you got to give these people like they they can they can circumnavigate like a four block radius so you want to make it as easy as possible for them but anyway it, it's yeah, kind of stuff happens I mean my dad when you know I'm much older than I am now was out walking on a sidewalk over by George Washington Park. And we used to go all the, every year we'd get this slime on the sidewalks. Mm. And he had just had surgery on his shoulder. So he basically had the use of one arm and he slipped on the slime, couldn't break his fall with anything other than his face. And uh, that was the beginning of the end, you know, and uh, for, you know, pretty uh, young guy. And, uh, you know, and it, again, it's just that stuff, that just simple stuff that happens when you're out there walking. Why make it any more difficult having to, you know, navigate stepping off a curb? Because there's a lot of people that shuffle, you know, and now oh, when, yeah, you yeah. when you're older, step- that's you can't really lift your legs the same way. Yeah. Hey, so I got to ask you. That, so now um, is there any chance you'll ever uh, get back involved with like the PG press? You did such a great job with that, Dan. You really got to. That's like your kind of gift in the world. What, what, what is that? <laughs> Maybe you get a job um, at the pine cone. I don't know. I don't know. Kelly Nix does pretty well over there. Uh, you know, it's something I've thought about. I Probably a week doesn't go by that somebody doesn't say something to me about uh, bringing it back. If it does come back, it'll be as, uh, would be as a monthly. I mean, when we were doing it as a weekly, that was death. When we we're doing it every other week, it was, almost okay uh but you know you could probably get by with a monthly too because with uh all the realtors in town like peggy jones and you know and and debbie beck and all these people would probably could probably support the paper and on a monthly edition because i think realtors a monthly kind of cycle would be good for them because their their inventory probably only rotates every month and PG is not the place that has that much news that you would need to be more than a month. And you could do more, you know, in-depth kind of stuff like detailed um, investigative journalism or detailed um, um, uh, interviews and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So might be kind of interesting if you can get people to talk to you, Dan. Though. Yeah. Well, you know, in the, the advertising, the minute somebody advertises with us, they get phone calls from How could you possibly support that paper? <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, you know, because they're reporting the news, what, because they carry Dan Miller's opinion on on what's going on. But I'll tell you what, and I say it to this day, nobody, nobody confronts me face to face. Nobody. In all the years I've been that guy, nobody has confronted me. How did you, but how you, did you put get them on to be that door? guy, Dan? How did huh? you get to be that guy? I, I mean... I find some of your stuff mildly offensive, but I nothing so <laughs> offensive that I would never talk to you again. I don't know what what is it. But but even offensive in in what way? I mean, I'm basically just saying this is my view on things and something that I think should be open discussion. And if you want to discuss, we always offered space to people. We offered letters to the editor. We offered count you know point counterpoints. We always allowed people to to write in and, and voice uh, why they thought I was an idiot, and people didn't do it. You know well, that, that's what's funny about because a lot of people will like bust on the pine cone, and I'm like, 
I guarantee if you wrote Paul Miller a um a letter or a um, letter to the editor, he would probably publish it. Now, I don't care how whatever left right center you are, if you want to like excoriate something that they've written, I I guarantee he would publish it. I don't think he would edit it. So No, and I, and we were the same way with the PG Press for all that people said, "Oh, that darn paper." Well, have you ever read written a letter to the editor? Well, no. You know, it's like, hey, you know, or the infamous, uh, um, you know, suit that I was in. And I, and did you ever ask for a correction? No. Did you, was there ever anything printed that wasn't true? No. You know, <laughs> so where, where's the disconnect here? You, people just do not like having a light shine, shine on you know underneath the the foundation and speaking oh man here's a good segue Uh, you're gonna love this dan miller speaking of which the carmel high school stadium lights pass the nighttime test so they have there's apparently this company uh i don't want to call them charlatans who just extract money from uh you know concerned citizens but they are called the dark sky association who measure the amount of light pollution created by your uh, stadium lights. And they decided they, they gave um, Carmel high school and, and it's actually, I make light of it, but it's probably important to have some sort of body like this to adjudicate whether or not you're creating light pollution. But they, they said there is a uh, best in class sports f- field lighting is what they, uh, what they called this. So, or, the, or the, how they, uh, that's how they grade it. And uh, it sounds like they, um, dark sky uh, certification and received approval on October 27th. So the LED, so basically they, um, they, they, they basically certified or, or said that the Carmel high school uh, lighting projects for the pool and the, uh, the, the football field were, were up to snuff and they do not cause uh, too much light pollution. So that's something well, where, where light will yeah. be shown on. But anyway, you know, the, the funny thing is, um, there's, you know, I do admit when I'm wrong, uh, believe it or not, I don't were have you against problem. those lights. I don't remember you. Being oh, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. But uh, but I was against the expansion of Forest Hill Manor. You know, one of those places we were talking about that oh, yeah. houses the elderly. And uh, among other things, we were pointing out that it was financially infeasible what they were doing. And sure enough, they ended up basically going bankrupt and having to sell the place. But um we said this is going to impact this because you know you're not doing this you're not doing that and there were compromises made you know there were things looked at that were changed and stuff still thought it was going to really impact the neighborhood but really hasn't and so there's those things sometime that uh you stand up for thinking you know this is gonna gonna impact my neighborhood and I'll tell you what, compared to the infamous pickleball, there's yeah. uh, there's no you know no impact because the sad thing is, and it was just like you were talking about the sidewalks and the curb cuts and stuff. We both were talking about uh, people almost never leave that place. Once in a while, you'll see them walking around the block or something. Uh, you'll see them sometimes. They have a little bus that takes them up to uh, the Country Club Gate Shopping Center and stuff. But sadly, the people don't get out of there. You know, they're not over there playing pickleball. They're not, you know, walking. You know, once in a while, one I'll see somebody walking the track at the middle school. But um, I don't know what there, you know, happens inside the place as far as far as promoting physical activity. But there's very little outside of that building. 
And so there's pretty much no impact of the neighborhood. And since we had things done about, you know, where employees park and things like that, uh, you know, most of the worries go out the window. But there's and then, you know, that's why the football field I, over there, I looked at with common sense and said, OK, this is kind of ridiculous. School's been there forever. They're like the only school outside of RLS. And it hasn't had lights for years. Um, you know, and then Monterey wants to do more lights or whatever. It's just the whole light thing is it comes and goes. And if you go to the PG high school field where almost every night they have the lights on, uh, I have a friend that lives right across the street. In fact, I have a few, three friends that have houses right across the street and none of them complain about the lights at the high school. In fact, most of them, uh, that have, you know, vocalize their opinion. They they love the activity and love what's going on. But again, they you know it's a light thing and it's not a noise thing. So it's a little bit more uh, hospitable to the neighborhood than other things can be. That well, that is uh, yeah, that's that's good. Well, you know, one other thing we talked about last week or the week before on this program was, of course, the uh, ne'er do well that was wandering around Pacific Grove Middle School. And someone who who his name comes up a lot. Maybe maybe he's a, a local member of the community that you know is Michael Gibbs. Mike Gibbs, and he, <laughs> you know Mike Gibbs. He know. was basically they uh, stepped up uh, the security now. So so the security okay. at the schools is is a little bit oh. higher now. So they're going to uh, more patrols. And uh, Mike Gibbs is quoted in the Monterey Herald uh, during his public comment period, where he's like, "I don't know what happened," but he also why I bring up Mike Gibbs is he also was in the um, the Pinecone. He wrote a letter to the editor basically saying exactly what you said last week about DEI have has had its day. Now it's time to move on. So he apparently, I don't know what Mike Gibbs is like, but he, he has a lot of the same opinions that uh, Dan oh, uh, Miller does. Mike's an interesting guy. He's uh, he's relatively new here. He's owned a house here for a while, but just recently moved here. Him, him and his wife, they're you know they're nice people. Uh, anybody that calls him a racist, I think is misplaced. Though I don't know him, you know that wait much. Minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Somebody calls him a racist. What do you mean? Oh, white supremacist. Yeah, white really? supremacist. Oh yeah, yep. <laughs> Including one of the people on the DEI. Basically. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So people call Mike Gibbs a white supremacist. Yeah. Why would they yeah. do that? Just well, again, just because he says things like "I don't think we need DEI," all of a sudden you're a racist. It's wow. like no, called it, we're like openly Grove, they called him a racist. That's funny. Oh yeah, you can't tell me, you know, w- what the systematic racism in Pacific Grove is that we have to jump through all these hoops. Yeah. Here's a good one for you. So one of the members of the DEI sends a thing out last week before the meeting was canceled canceled for lack of a quorum said i want to do this by zoom because i'm uh, a paid actress in a production in um in in san francisco and it was a shakespearean play in which this person that's on the dei that's of color uh is playing a a culturally appropriated because it's a white character she's playing <laughs> the character is black well is it was so, it hamlet it's like hey wait a second what was the whole problem with feast of lanterns but now <laughs> you in your life think it's okay to go and appropriate a white person i think i think position you could you could pick apart this stuff all the time but he uh but it's actually, constant give- it's Constant. Mike, Mike Gibbs actually brought that up. He said uh, the the DEI task force has not met 
uh, a quorum in several months. So uh, apparently they, it, you, you've said that before too, haven't you? Oh, well, they, they meet once a month and these people are so compelled to be on this committee. They don't show up for that once a month meeting. This person I just talked about that was going to do a zoom missed like two or three months in a row now. And you, she, and it was during a time when you could zoom. So oh. it's not like, okay, where are you? Are you in a basement somewhere and have no, you know, can't get on in what, you know, what's the deal? But there's other ones. They've appointed people that don't show up for one meeting before they resign. Um, you know, yeah, I that, mean, literally, right. yeah, you've met, brought that up before. you know, so it's, it's absolutely great, but it's funny that we're talking, you brought this up. So being a parent of kids at the high school, I just literally, this just in while, while you were talking and I said, man, this looks like a better look at it. Came mm -hmm. in at 438, went out to all the parents uh, in the district, I believe. Uh, I'm, this is from the principal Lito Garcia at the high school, uh, mm -hmm. PG high school. Now, again, we, you know, this is right after you said, oh, we're here and everything's so nice and wonderful and we don't have to worry. I'm writing to inform you of an incident that took place at about 12, 15 p.m. Friday, December 15th. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> the, uh, off campus adjacent to the Pacific Grove High School campus. Six students. OK, adjacent. OK, that's a bad sentence there for a principal, for goodness sake. Someone needs to proofread this stuff. Six <laughs> yeah, students. GPT wrote it. Yeah. Six students were involved in a physical altercation. It is important to share this information with families because of the blah, blah, blah. So it just goes on to you know, fight. investigating it. They're going to take disciplinary procedures. They've, noticed the, they've notified the Pacific Grove Police School Resource Officer. Well, I'm glad you notified them. Could you tell us? Because they weren't up there when I went and picked up my kids at 2 o'clock and, and 3.30. There was no police presence. There was nobody wait, 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 around. Wait, wait, if you, you parse the language no there, though, Dan, Dan, if you parse the language, it sounds like a bunch of kids having a fist fight to me. I don't know. That's pretty much probably what it was. Yeah. They contacted why, 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 do, why do all the parents need to know about that? I think it was called Tuesday when I went to college or high school. But maybe <laughs> I went I went to a, a kind of a white trashy high school. So maybe that was my. my well. But the thing is, is I need a little more information personally. You know, my kids go there. What what was the context? Was it racial? Was it, you know, freshmen against seniors? Was it a were, were kids involved that aren't at the school? And what the heck were the kids off campus for? You know, <laughs> why were they down there at that intersection midday? You know, and because. Yeah. You go up there sometimes, and I go up there sometimes, and there is no administrative person. There is no resource officer. There is nothing. Though I have to say the resource officer, I would, they were uh, not doing traffic control at crosswalks well at the beginning of the year. And now the school resource officers, usually at the middle school, doing, uh, you know, making sure the kids crossing Forest Avenue are protected and uh, it's it's really gotten better. They actually, this is, might be strange. I think I might have had some impact in complaining about, uh, you know, the well-being of kids coming and going to school. And uh, but now I read this and it's like, you know, wh what is going on? Is it, are things starting to creep in to Pacific Grove that's going to make us be different than Pacific Grove? I, and, and, well, uh, it's 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 probably changing, but I'll tell you this: down here by Lovers Point, where we have attempted murderers, 
uh yeah you know on a weekly basis i tell you it's it's a delight living here dan so i'm i'm still happy living here well and the, hey, and hey well, let's, is, let me ask you this too because you you have your brother has a background in law enforcement so uh -huh. the uh uh panhauser is that a panholzer uh, -huh. uh the, the fire chief he is going to retire on the 31st of december well you know they had a vote and no confidence on him and a while back i want to say almost a year ago now uh, he had basically been released by the city of Monterey, and then all of a sudden, a couple of weeks later, he was back. So um, why Why has he been so embattled? What? They, something's going on over there. I was told by a fire guy a while back that, you know, tip of the iceberg kind of thing. You just would so have They're no just worried to, about some other stuff that he's doing. So maybe yeah, it'll all come to light. Oh, oh no. It, just in general. So I, I know, you know, I know him a little bit, you know, having interacted when I was. Um, on the council and then with the paper, I always uh, felt he, it was uh, personable, mm -hmm. uh, didn't hold me in contempt like a lot of employees or some employees do, uh, especially higher ups, uh, and uh, was always forthcoming with records and stuff. When I do a public records request, it, it, next day, if not the same day, they're there. Uh, very open and transparent, and maybe that's one of his problems, is maybe people don't like him being as transparent. Uh, they're in the middle of negotiations for a new contract, and goodness knows, you know, and then they were having trouble with uh, keeping uh, Delray Oaks in the, you know, their joint, you know, fire department with us, with Pacific Grove, uh, in the fold, so... And if that splits up, and Pacific Grove has been at the edge a few times and splitting up, and now you know getting a new city manager, I could see it happening. Uh, it's going to be a kerfuffle for those people that are in the Monterey Fire Department. You know, it's uh, uh, there's not going to be quite as much of a gravy train going from. Uh, <laughs> well, the I don't city. know who's who's going to be next. I mean, I do know some of the chiefs, uh, the uh, assistant chiefs in the Monterey Fire Department, and. So hopefully one of them will take over and it, it may maybe a smoother transmit transition. I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like he was he was very for whatever reason people didn't like him. I'm gonna have to talk well, to some of the assistant chiefs I know. You know well, it'd be interesting to find out because again, I, I always got along with him. I had never heard anything until the past year, and he'd been there quite a few years. But here's one of the things, and I'm not saying this is it, not, not saying this is it, but one of the things that happens, because this happened with my brother, because he came from Salinas. Mm -hmm. to be chief, uh, police chief in Pacific Grove, people get all that are in the department, get all snitty about the fact that uh, they didn't hire from within. They didn't get uh, to move up the food chain. Well, so, that, that may happen this time then, yeah. Yeah, so you could be looking at Panholzer and going, hey, when are you going to retire, man? We all want to move up and we're about <laughs> ready to retire. And so we'd like to be on the gravy train and get 90% of our highest pay and we'd get a lot higher pay if we all moved up one if you left. That, so you no, know, that may be, and I don't know, they're always we we went over transparent California's numbers a few weeks ago and mm -hmm. it, what they're getting paid and, and the fact that they would want more is I mean, give it a couple of years. That's what I'd say. But well, you know what but, it is? It's because PG just gave nine percent to basically everybody that works in Pacific Grove. Nine percent over the next three years and had just given three percent last year. So it's like, we want that too. And in yeah. Monterey, you know, we cover Pacific Grove. We want to get 
the same thing they're getting. And we, if we speak Spanish, we want 200 bucks. You know, we want more for medical. We want so, and this is the snowballing effect of uh, public agencies, and that they always point at the most well to do people and say, we got to be doing as good as them. And then the most well to do say, hey, we used to be above them. Now we're, uh, you know, at the same or below them, we need a raise, and they yeah. and they just keep going up the ladder. And it's well, just, you know, when you're when you're making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year as a firefighter, that's pretty awesome. Let me a uh, last story I wanted to talk about was the uh, really a kind of a local celebrity, a marathon, the Big Sur Marathon founder, city attorney, county judge, uh, Bill Burley died almost ninety years old, and he was an author. He wrote a bunch of books. This guy seemed to have endless, boundless energy. And real pillar of the community, apparently, as a judge, and uh, and he founded the um, the um, the marathon. And, and I listened to one of the marathon the organizers, the foundation guys. He had ta- I listened to a talk that he told, and apparently, the genesis of the marathon was, I guess, there's a sign. I I should probably pay attention next time I'm I drove down Big Sur the coastline yesterday. I should have probably looked for the sign, but apparently, there's a sign somewhere there that says 26 miles or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, right past the entrance to uh, one of the entrances to Carmel Valley. And um, uh, yeah, by all accounts, I, I never met the man. I, you know, obviously know people that dealt with him and were in his courts and stuff. And uh, I literally have never. And again, not saying I don't know something, but I um, never heard a bad word about the man. It's and yeah. If it, you it's can amazing be all the stuff gut. he did. He was he he was a marine. He wrote oh. all these picture books of uh, you know took ph- photography of Big Sur, and uh, and, and he founded the uh, the marathon. So but, I mean he, the guy is a pillar of the community. I got to say this about uh, you know Bill Burley Burley or I, I probably Burley yeah. Burley sounds like a wonderful person. I wish I had gotten to know him uh, personally or at least. I had the chance to interview him because he just sounds wonderful. But I got to say something about the Big Sur coastline. Driving down there yesterday, it is clearly one of the most beautiful places on the planet. Oh yeah, and yep. most I'm like very photogenic. It's like it's it's like just so freaking beautiful and photogenic. But what do you do with it? Like I always feel like when I'm down <laughs> on the Big Sur coastline, you've got okay, so you got Rocky Point, you've got Garapada. Garapada is beautiful. You can kind of walk around there. But there are so few places along Big Sur to actually stop and like get out and like go into the yeah. scenery. And and I feel like north of Santa Cruz, the coastline there is beautiful. Maybe not as beautiful as, as the Big Sur coastline, but I feel like it's a more interactive coastline. Like you can get out of your car and actually mm. interact with the with nature there. But I feel like whenever you're going down Big Sur, I'm like I'm kind of like looking for a spot where I can pull over and really interact with right. nature. And you really, there's nothing there. There's, there's some wide spots on the road and you can like stand on a bluff and look at the ocean, but you can't really walk around and you know, there's not trails and things. So I don't know. That's just an observation. Yeah. I don't know, but Garapod is wonderful. I'll say. Oh that. yeah. If you go up Garapod Canyon, it's just always been incredible, you know, it's amazing. a little bit yeah. de- development and stuff over the years, but still just. Well, you know, well the part that vexes me. Okay. I'll be more specific about this. Uh, Dan is before point, sir, the old Naval base, there was an old right. naval like sub listening station down there <laughs> yeah. between there and Bixby bridge. Okay. Uh-huh. There's a stretch there. And you look down at that coastline and you're like, I want to go walk on that beach down there. Yeah. And you can kind of like see it. 
you know, well, you can't even kind of see it. You can see it. You just look down at it and you're like, I want to go down there and put my toes in that sand. Yeah. But there's signs that say, hey, this is a private ranch and you can't go down there. And I'm like, well, couldn't that rancher just let, like, put a little trail down to that beautiful beach? Why can't we go down to that beach? Dan, you've been yeah. here long enough. Why can't I go put my t- toes in those sand? Well, you know, limitations are a big question as to what you can and can't do along the coast, you know, because you have to have access. Yeah, you don't, you, do, you don't, own, right? by and large, you do not own the beach. And, That's right. yeah. uh, you know, and, and as you're saying that, uh, have you ever gone on the old coast highway? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's where like right before Bixby, when you take the yeah. left and then it comes yeah. out somewhere down there by Close Julia Pfeiffer, right? Yeah. 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 And the old coast highway is just a total trip, you know, it's, but again, you know, it's a little dodgy. You got to have, it's not for the faint of heart as they say, <laughs> four wheel drive is a good thing, especially in winter, but uh, just the coolest drive. And you, I've been on that from one end to the other and not have another car pass. Not no wow. longer is it like that since uh, uh pretty little lies. Another, or another little gem. Now, now, uh, Dan, you've probably done this, but I love this drive too. It's maybe this is kind of like that the old coast highway too. Is you get you take a left at the barnyard at Carmel Valley, and you just follow that road all the way to Greenfield. After oh, you yeah. pass, the, it is beautiful way back in there. Yep. And that, that also is not very heavily traveled. Once you pass, like after yeah, maybe Bernardus, yeah. that the village, area, yeah, after yep. the village, yeah, yeah. So. But and the, to me, the most beautiful place I've ever seen on the peninsula is uh point lobos when you go in if you go right left not so much but if you go right and you know walk the trails like back toward pebble beach or ribera or whatever Mm -hmm. uh it's just some of those views are just absolutely mind-boggling it's It's almost criminal yeah point lobos is is just a. but have you ever been through the parks in utah I've mean, uh, been to the, all three. Oh, the three yeah. major well, arches, Zion and Bryce. Or just, yeah, and uh, then then uh, the uh, the White Rim Trail in Canyon. Yeah, too. I mean, yeah. just if people who haven't ever been there once in your life, uh, when you can still <laughs> you know walk up hill and dale, uh, go there because it, it to me, uh, my wife and I when we got married, uh, we got married in june and then um but she couldn't get off so we had to do the um uh we went in um the in late september of course it was 2001 so 9 11 had happened and a few days later we're going off traveling and uh we went to vegas and there literally is nobody on the streets (laughs) we went to grand canyon where a week before we couldn't get into a hotel because they were all fil- filled we couldn't yeah. get into a hotel because they were no longer open and they're oh wow so we're at the grand canyon with like a dozen people we're at I, arches in an uh, the entire place of arches there's maybe five people well i mean well, see that's the thing is i grew up i grew up in uh, colorado and back uh-huh. in the 80s and 90s arches Canyonlands, bryce and and those places were were a little bit different because you kind of had r- the run of the place. They're a little bit more uh, restrictive now, probably smartly. I think. Oh, that's Big Park. Sur. You know, that's Big yeah. Sur and, and all that. The places around here, you could just walk into Big Sur and get a. Hey, can I get a? Can just, yeah, just sure. Take you a know? giant piece of jade off the beach and you're yeah, good to go. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, you know, but no moss. You know, you just can't. It is. 
it's do stunning it. though. I gotta, I gotta say though, like it, every time I go down there, it doesn't matter. Like you, it is just stunningly beautiful. Yep. And, um, and you ever go to Nepenthe for, uh, I have not. I went to that. Oh, go to Nepenthe. I went. Oh. There's a place near there that I really like. It's like an art studio, and then they have a, like a, uh-huh. a yeah. deck up top where yep. you can have a beer. It's on that curve right by Nepenthe. What's that called? I, I don't know. But anyway, uh, uh, Coast Gallery, I think. Is yeah, Coast something. Gallery is something. I've been there, which is similar, beautiful. But go, Nepenthe, go Nepenthe, you're saying, has a great Nepenthe view. is you go out on the deck at Nepenthe. Uh, especially when there isn't fog, but even when there's fog, it's spectacular. And it was a house that uh, Orson Welles built originally for uh, when he was married to Rita Hayworth. And uh, now it's a restaurant and it is just, and they have good food, or at least last time I ate there, just great food. You know, their burgers, the Ambrosia burger is just incredible. But we've eaten a lot of times at Rocky Point. Rocky Point is beautiful. And I understand it wasn't great then, the food, but now it's under new management. Maybe it's good. But I I do have to ask you real quick before we go is I passed that house on, it's before Rocky Point. It's, it's like kind of like on the coast. It's after Brad Pitt's house, but down the road a little bit. Uh, and it was in a movie. And I, you would know what movie that was. What? Do you oh, know what Basic that? Instinct. Basic Instinct. Yes. I'm going to have to go Spindrift back. Spindrift Road. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, it's, it's amazing how many houses, like, like when you want to take a remote, like, evil person's castle on, on the rugged <laughs> coastline, it, you just go to Big Sur and it's, there it is. Oh no! It's uh, there, there's some spectacular houses. What Brad Pitt was thinking, I'm not sure, but uh, that one's only like 1,200 square feet. But I think it's something to do with the architect. I think that's yeah. why. Yeah, he's, he was, in, he's into the architect. They say and he, he paid what he paid like 25 million, right, or something. Some like that. I think it was yeah, 20 north of 20. Yeah, and but it's it's a beautiful guy. location. I think what it is too, uh, Dan, is that I think that house, that particular house, is a rock house, and it's right on the cliff. So I, yeah. I think it's like. You're buying something that can never be built nowadays. Oh, and, and again, if you're you're in his world and you want to get away, though, I you know that's the thing. People you can don't see it from the road, though. You can kind of see it from the road, and it's oh, it's, sure you can. And it's not but that, uh, private. you're not going to get paparazzi hanging out there. There's nowhere for him to hang out, you know. Yeah, that's true. And I think when you're at his level, and I having spent some time in L.A. and around those kind of people, they just want to get away. And once you come up here, if you live in Pebble Beach. No one really knows. They don't see you. They, you know, you know, it just, you're away from it. And I'm sure, you know, really yeah, walking around Carmel, I'm sure that I probably passed dozens of famous people, but I had no clue what the hell I was looking at, you know, because, well, you know, I, when you're walking around there, you just, you're not really paying attention. No, I, I, I was walking down one day years ago and, uh, this woman, this gaggle of people were walking toward me and my buddy. And I see this woman. And to this day, I say she's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen that you would know who she is. And, um, and I, and since I made a movie with oh. Bo Derek, that's saying a lot, <laughs> but, um, I'm looking down just beautiful. And then I look to who she's with. And I go, who is this? And I realize it's Merv Griffin. So it's Merv Griffin old talk show host for those youngsters out there, his son, uh, Catherine Oxenberg and her mother, because she was dating Merv at the time. But Catherine Oxenberg was just gorgeous. She's walking toward me and it's like, I just melted. And then I realized Merv Griffin, that's Catherine Oxenberg's 
mother who she was dating at the time and her and it's just you know i've walked along you know eastwood's walking towards you but it is like you say by and large out of context you know you could be walking by anybody and nobody cares you know, they really don't. Well, yeah, I'm like looking at. I didn't know who I Catherine Oxenberg was. Clint was there. You know, I had no like, clue who this woman was, and now I'm looking at uh, at um, pictures on the internet of her, and now she's even at whatever sixty or whatever she is now. Yeah. She's still uh, she's still beautiful. Yeah, yeah. She was in um, Falcon Crest or one of those you know oh, soap operas. And then her daughter, you know, she came back in the news a few years ago. Her daughter was part of, got sucked into that sect back east where the guy was branding people and weird stuff and uh, everything. And she had gotten sucked into that. And uh, oh, I remember Oxford. that. That's um, interesting. Yeah. Well, kind of got her daughter out of that. But well, the yeah, podcast so has definitely know. taken a dark turn there, uh, Dan. But <laughs> Dan, I, man, I appreciate your. Um, your your perspective is always and and hopefully mark will will be able yeah. to make it next week but uh that was a phenomenal show uh anything you want to add is anything from the news hey, uh, i'm know? good just everybody you know as we're getting to the holidays here I, theoretically we're going to be on one more time if uh if more than one of us is available yeah. and um you know just be safe and and don't drink and drive we got uber and all that stuff now so please people just be safe and have a, have a great holiday season however you uh celebrate it you know enjoy it and uh, uh it's you know again to me the greatest country in the world the here is as good as any places you can live and appreciate it and uh and just love your neighbor wow dan a little little touching uh, moment at the end there. What's the plan? Monterey.com is where you go or iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast. And to correct Dan, not to correct you, Dan, but uh, <laughs> 22nd and 29th. So we'll have two more. Actually, they'll oh. air on the 23rd and the 30th of December. So two more before the year's over. And thanks, as always, Dan. I really enjoy the podcast. I think a lot of people do. We get a lot of uh, hate mail every week. Um, so that's good. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why. I, I honestly, I honestly don't know why. I don't think we say anything too uh, controversial. We love everyone, and people we take want... it wrong sometimes too. <laughs> oh, some people know your personal cell though. They call you directly and complain to you. The only person that does that to me is uh, uh, a PG uh, council member who shall not be named. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I hear from nobody except that same council member, but it's always positive. So Okay. Well, anyway, well, thank you so much, uh, Dan. And uh, thanks to everybody that's listened. Thanks for listening. And uh, please keep the angry emails coming. Uh, you can send them to paul.wyant, and that's spelled W-E-Y-A-N-T, at expresspros.com. That's paulwyant at expresspros.com. Thanks, everybody. What's the plan? Monterey.com. Thank you, Dan. Thank you.